welcome to Never Lick the Spoon, the podcast from the Institute of Molecular Science and Engineering at Imperial College London. I'm Isabella von Holstein, and in this series, I'm going to continue to bring you stories from the teeny tiny world of molecules and how they're being used to solve some of the big challenges facing our planet. I'm also going to highlight some of the inspiring people involved in science and technology across Imperial and further afield. In this episode, I talk to a current master's student at IMSI, Chen Gong, and find out about the research project that is a big part of her MRES in molecular engineering. She was also involved in delivering an outreach workshop based on her project at the Great Exhibition Road Festival in June this year. Joining her on this episode is one of her project supervisors. Hi everyone, I'm Chen. I am an um, MRES student at Imperial. Currently, I'm carrying out a cooperative project between Imperial and the Cookie Studio. We're looking at how algae growth can impact the structures of cement. And unlike many researchers, um, which only focus on growth in the lab, we carry out the biogrowth, both in the lab environment and the natural environment. My name's uh, Dr. Rupert Myers. I'm a senior lecturer in sustainable materials engineering in the Department of Civil and Environmental Engineering. And my main role on this project is to be one of Chen's supervisors. So my expertise is in um, concrete chemistry and in sustainability, and both are quite um, important in Chen's project. Chen, were you interested in building materials before you came to IMSI? Uh, yes, yes, I was. Because I've been to Rome before, so I was really fascinated by the materials of Pantheon in Rome. And Romans have the concrete formula for uh, many years and their concrete have very long durability and stiffness and they have lessened environmental footprint. So after Romans, the formula has been disappearing for very long time right now, uh, thanks to the modern chemistry, thanks to the modern technology, we are able to to see what the formula was. So why why are we interested in developing new types of cement and concrete, bioreceptive types particularly? I would say there's sort of two key reasons for the, for the bioreceptivity piece why this is important research. The first one is that actually the impact of let's say biomass on degrading concrete is not well known. So we know quite well what happens when we have chloride ingress or seawater exposure. It corrodes the steel reinforcing bar and then that's really damaging to concrete structures. But not actually a lot has been studied on this interaction between biomass and concrete. If we can think of let's say um, sewage pipes where we may have you know, damp conditions, uh, there's nutrients available. So what happens to the, the con- that concrete infrastructure? This is not well known. That's the first thing. And the second thing for me, I think, is that, you know, nowadays, sometimes concrete is beautiful when it's grey and polished, but maybe, you know, we would like to live in a city which was a little bit greener. And so then having a bioreceptive concrete is a way of then having more green area in the urban environment. What's the difference between concrete and cement? Because I'm getting very confused. Cement is like a manufactured product, um, which is produced 
in large industrial facilities, the main component of cement is something called cement clinker, which is a reactive material like a glue. And this clinker, uh, which is produced at 1450 degrees Celsius, uh, is mixed in with some other minerals. Typically, these other minerals um, are gypsum and limestone. And then that's your cement. It's like a bag of this reactive glue, which is a powder. Okay, and then this powder is then mixed with water and either with sand, and then that's called mortar, or water, sand, and gravel, so larger rocks, and then that's called concrete. Generally, things don't go on concrete, do they? Is that simply because the stuff is really hard, or is it because, chemically speaking, the concrete is inhospitable? So the pH in concrete is really high, about pH 13. Also, it's important to have the nutrients available and also the water available too, right? So you can imagine the surface of concrete sometimes gets pretty dry, even though there is actually some fluid, it's called pore solution, inside the concrete. You know, it's not accessible. And plus, it's pH 13. These are factors which, uh, which Chen identified in, in her uh, literature review, which we have to play around with to get this bioreceptive concrete to work. pH 13, that's pretty extreme. That's just because of the chemical nature of concrete. That's right, yeah. But that's hard to shift then, isn't it? If concrete itself is pH 13, how do you then make it hospitable to life if life really doesn't like pH 13? Uh -huh. Well, you know, we're back to cement chemistry because uh, normally cement is made from calcium rich, uh, calcium silicates. When we can try to tailor the chemistry of the cement so it's more neutral, and so an example which we're looking at is uh, magnesium phosphate cement, which has a pH much more closer to, to neutral. Then there's all sorts of different concrete types which can span the range from 7 to 13. And, you know, there can even be some acidic types of concrete, but we haven't looked into those. So actually, there's plenty of scope for more normal life pHs. Yeah, I mean, there is some scope for that. You know, we don't use magnesium phosphate as a structural material. I wouldn't say we need to compete with like conventional structural concrete because we are, you know, looking into different applications for this. So if we're talking about green wall, then we're looking at a facade material. I was thinking that this was going to be a structural material, but it makes more sense that I wouldn't want algae growing in the middle of my building, but I might want it on the surface of my building. Yeah, well, it needs sunlight to grow too, right? So it's like a surface phenomenon which can then ingress inwards. This is the, you know, part of the puzzle which we're trying to figure out. How, how far can these organisms penetrate into the concrete and then what type of effect do they have on the concrete properties? So if it's, let's say, it causes some debonding, from a molecular level we can think about dissolution and recrystallization of different uh, mineral phases, which then weakens the surface. And then that surface may then shed if there's some rain or some abrasion, and but then the biomass maybe can continue to, to like attach to the concrete. We're not we're not quite sure yet, but yeah, we intend to do some experiments to figure that out. So what have you actually done on your project, Chen? Can you talk me through the phases of work that you've been doing? In the phase one is the production of cement cubes. There are two types of cement, and I chose to do seven formulations based on different porosity. And so there's the two different cements. One is magnesium phosphate cement, which is a novel one. And it's said to be more bioreceptive than the ordinary Portland cement. Um, for the phase one, it's just a production of two cements. 
So I'm carrying out the phase two now. And the phase two is the algae growth in the lab, as well as the biomass growth in the natural environment. Um, I'm currently putting some of my samples in Sealwood Park campus, uh, which is further than Heathrow Airport. And we are approaching phase three, which is a characterization technique. How are you going to characterize this stuff? How do you measure bioreceptivity? We're not trying to see which one has more bioreceptivity, which one is not. We're trying to see how the algae impacts the cement. So we're trying to carry out the SEM, scanning electron microscope, to see how the structure is changing the molecular level. And we're going to do the porosity test to see how the porosity changes due to the biogrowth. And also we're going to see the surface um, strengths using the microindentation test. Oh, and the XRD to see how the faces change. What's XRD? X-ray diffraction. So you've got measuring surface strength, you've got measuring porosity change, you've got having a look at the surface and you've got having a look at the surface's chemical change. I get why you're doing all of those things. Could you explain what porosity is? It's how, how many pores you have in your cube. And why does that matter? Because with more porosity, there should be more algae growth in the pores. Is that because there's more water trapped for them or is it simply because there's more space for them to grow or both? Both. How long is the whole project taking from the beginning to the end, phase, phases one to three? Uh, the production of cement only takes one month, two months, almost two months. And the phase two, it's like four weeks, uh, plus the before preparation, uh, some lab induction stuff, two months, I would say. But we have the Exhibition Road Festival workshop preparation to do. So that's in total five months, I will say. And the characterization phase? How long oh, does that, that take? That will only take one month. OK, so that's quite quick. And then you have to write it up. Uh, yes, it's very tight schedule right now. Can you tell me more about that workshop that you did? Yeah, the, the workshop is to get the audience to make their own moss ball. The moss ball is a polyhedron shape, so it can allow some mosses and other microorganisms to grow on the surface. And it can be the decoration at your own house. We have two modes. One mode is a silicone mode. Another one is a 3D printing mode. So the audience can choose what type of mode they want to use and producing their mosquito shape out of their mode. And then they take it home and what do they do with it? Uh, they can take it home and put it in the garden or also cookies provide the audience with a link. They can take pictures of their own moss ball about any moss growth and send them back to us. If people are going to send you pictures of their moss balls with stuff growing on, that's data. Yeah, mm. turning you up for a citizen science uh, phase four of your master's <laughs> project. And what was it like doing the working with the public at the exhibition road? Had you ever done anything like that before? No, actually, it is my first time to actually present my work to the public. And I explained to them what I do in a very um, understandable language. 
How did it go though? I mean, I wasn't there, so. For the one which uh, which took place in the French embassy, we go like three sessions of workshop, and each session accommodates ten people, and none of them ever failed. I was expecting at least some of them will fail to do the master because I think it's very difficult to produce a boy in that in that mode. And yeah, luckily none none of them ever fell, and and every everyone was super happy. I think Chen's project is a um, take a stab on this topic towards the vision, which is like could we create a street in London which had you know moss lined concrete, and just you know people are talking about like timber cities. You know, I'm I'm interested to think about you know, how can we be happier in our cities. And so, if there's timber around, maybe people enjoy that a bit more. But people may also enjoy seeing plants on the sides of buildings. I know that I do. I think that that would be really cool. And um, yeah, if we did it enough, then maybe there's also some benefit to the urban heat island effect, and and trying to make progress towards this. I don't know. Let's say call it livable or green city. Thank you to Chen Gong and Rupert Myers for talking to me about Chen's master's research. To find out more about what it's like to do a master's at IMSI and what you can go on to do afterwards, have a look at the student and alumni profiles on our website or have a look at the IMSI blog. Rupert is IMSI's research champion for the circular economy research theme. The research partner for this project is the Cookies Studio and their website is at cookies.lol. So do you fancy living in a house with a green mossy facade made of bioreceptive concrete? Have you noticed any concrete structures near where you live that are supporting moss or plants? Share your thoughts, maybe a picture, with us on Twitter at imperial underscore imsy or email us at imsy at imperial.ac.uk. Until next time, take care and remember, never lick the spoon.